Right on. Okay. Everybody bust out your Bibles and your notepads. Going to talk this week, or actually the rest of the month, we're going to talk about rhythms. And uh, God created us to be in rhythm, to be in sync. Um, so bust out your notepads and uh, your tablets or however you take notes and, um, and follow along with us. I will say this, just because it's the start of the series, I have a lot of content to get through. So I didn't give those guys a lot of scripture to get up there uh, just because I'm not sure what I'm jumping through. And, and sometimes it can be distracting. So um, you're going to have to do it the old fashioned way and uh, either look it up or just write it down and look it up later. But um, here's my thought here for this series called Rhythms. Um, the scripture says, uh, or we always, you hear me say this all the time, and I talk about it all the time, these two things that I'm a huge believer in. One is the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. We all know what we should be doing. We all know what should be taken care of. But the difference is making the priority to go from A to B and all the way through. I think successful people aren't because they're more talented or more smarter or have more resources. They've just found a way to go from A to B to C and just, and just go from the beginning to the end. And so I always say that, the largest gap in the world between. And it's the same thing in our walk with God. To stay in sync with what God is doing in our lives, to stay in sync with where he wants us to do and where he's calling us to be, you have to be conscious of where you are and where you want to go. You have to live in rhythm or live in sync with what God's calling you to do. That's why the scripture, and we'll talk about it later, is full of come away to a place where you rest or come away to a place, um, a solitary place where Jesus always got away, place to be quiet. Why? Because he was sort of hitting reset or he was going to a place where he could be alone with God and make sure what he was doing in life was in sync or was in rhythm with what God assigned him to do. We all know Jesus said this, I don't do anything unless I hear my father call me to do it, paraphrasing. But what is he saying there? He's saying, I only do what I'm in sync with my father to do. I'm in rhythm with what God has called me to do in my life. If you were to boil stewardship down, what is stewardship? Being a good steward, and God is all throughout scripture, always is boiled down to um, what are you doing with what you've been given? Are you in sync? Are you in rhythm with what you have in your life and what God's called you to do with it? Somebody say amen. We get all caught up in, you know, oh, it's got to be this, and it's got to be this, and it's got to it's really pretty simple. It's being conscious that you have a God who loves you and he's for you and he's always pulling you into greater. The scripture says that we go from glory to glory. God is always looking for us to go to the next and go to the next. And I think that's been beaten by the preacher and the person that get up there. And, and he says that, you know, those people that abuse it say, well, you're scum and you're this and you need to come higher and be righteous and be holy. You can be where you are and God be so pleased with you but still want to pull you higher. The writers say, uh, my desire, I think it was Paul who said, it's my prayer, my desire for you that you would abound more and more. You're in a good place now, but you can be in a better place. Uh, so don't get caught up with, well, you know, we're the slum of the earth. We better get better. We better get more holy. No, you're in a good place, but God wants you always in a better place, glory to glory. There's nothing wrong with glory right? There's nothing wrong with being in a place of glory, but there's another place of glory. And that's when we talk about the mysteries of God, that's what we're talking about. How do you go from a glory to a glory? Well, that's just God. That's what he does. Somebody say amen. So rhythms, rhythms, that's what we're talking about. Being in sync with God. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to throw yourself out of sync with what God wants to do in your life. And uh, sin, obviously, and wrong thinking and all this kind of stuff we'll get into this month. And so my prayer for you is that when we leave here this month, that we're in sync, that we're in tune with, with what God uh, wants us to do. You know, when people go into war, and uh, you can judge me for this and that's fine, but when you play like the war video games, 
Um, I've just heard of them. I've never played them. But um, a lot of the missions in there start with this. Go and wipe out what? Communication. Go into the enemy camp and go over there and, and destroy this and take out this level of communication. Why? Because if they're not in sync with each other, you might as well throw it all out. And it's the same thing in our Christian life. If we're not in sync with God, if we're, if we're, not, if we're letting doubts and fear and, and things in our life hold us back from what God wants to communicate to us, then we're going to be out of rhythm. And so I think it's so important for us to be living conscious that God is speaking and we need to be in rhythm with him. Somebody say amen. And one of the first things we're going to take a look at uh, today is faith. Um, if you're writing a sermon title, you can write down faith is an action. Faith is an action. Uh, we use a lot of phrases like, uh, uh, well, you have to have faith or, um, you know, just uh, I got faith or I found my faith or whatever. And, and that's all fine and appropriate. Um, but you actually have to use your faith. You know, faith is an action. It's something you put into place. Uh, you could read all the books in the world on theology and know the Bible front to back. But if you don't do anything with it, what's the point? Faith is an action. Somebody say amen. Are you with me? So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So I'll stop here. It says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So you could say it like this, and, and stay with me here uh, while I go through this because I'm going to paraphrase a lot. For, it, uh, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So the first thought here is that by faith they got the job done. So because of their faith, by their faith, they were able to get the job done here. They, they accomplished something in action with their faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed in the word of, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Things came from faith. That's another thing I want to point out. Things can come from faith. So when we say, well, I have faith, or I found my faith, that's all good, and we're, and we're good with that. But we're talking about using a faith that puts things into action, that's put things into place. Right here, verse 3 is saying that when we use our faith, things come of it. The world was created. God put things into existence uh, through his word and, and by faith. And so in your life, things can come into existence by you using your faith. Who agrees with me? <laughs> Who's ever experienced that? You said, you know, there's no other way this was going to happen unless I, I got serious and I sunk my feet in the ground and I just used my faith. And, and because God honored your obedience, it came into existence. Amen. We've all seen that. Verse four says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So through his faith, he was able to do a, a more excellent sacrifice by which it was known that he's righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead still speaks. So again, by faith, he got the job done and it spoke of him that he was righteous. See, I think a lot of what we're struggling with in Christianity in America is that a lot of us, we say we have faith or we found faith, but we don't use our faith. And by not using our faith, there aren't people saying, oh, look, you know, look what God has done in their life. When we use our faith and God shows up, like he talked about in the New Testament, signs and wonders and, and God on display in our life, somebody say amen. Because we don't see a lot of that, 
we don't have people giving testimony that, oh my gosh, there's a holy thing going on there. There's righteousness in their life. I think if we were to get serious about the things of God and we were to pursue him and use our faith and activate the Holy Spirit in our life, I think God would move in a way that people would say, man, they truly are a righteous people. Someone say amen. And so I'm not saying that we want to go out there and use our faith so that we can be holier than others and put ourselves on a pedestal. Uh, It's all about bringing the glory of God. But here in this, it's saying he was known that he was righteous by the activation of faith in his life. And so um, what I love about this scripture is notice it didn't say that his sacrifice was more excellent because of the people that he knew or because of the family that he had or because of the bank account or the knowledge or um, because he was in a church service and he got a chill bump. And because he got that chill bump, it took him to the next level and No, it said by his activated faith in his life, he was able to do something excellent for God. Amen? And so a lot of times we say, well, I don't have the upbringing, or I don't have the money, or I don't have this, and we disqualify ourselves from what God wants to do and bring you something more excellent that people would then see the righteousness of God in your life. And we just, we say, well, I don't have all those things. Neither did he. It was by his faith that he was able to do it. Somebody say amen. And then in verse 6, sort of wraps this up. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Um, So a couple things in here I want to point out. One, without faith, it's impossible to do the things that we're called to do for God. Uh, Number two, you have to come to God believing that he's God. So you have to have this understanding of God's characteristics in your life. So when we get up here and say, oh, you got to be in your word, take notes, study this, it's not because like we want you to be a good school kid and take your notes. It's because we want you to have an understanding so you can believe that God is those things. Somebody say amen. And then that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who activate their faith and pursue God. He rewards those kinds of people. Amen? You guys with me? Are we okay? Okay. When Jesus died... He provided a lot of things for us, and we love to talk about it on Easter, and we just got through all that. And so there was a lot of things provided on the cross. We love to shout about it and get excited about it, and he did all these things. Uh, But the truth is, just because he died on the cross and provided it doesn't mean that it's automatically active in our life, right? He provided healing, but there's sick people. He provided a way that if we follow him and and apply his his principles, uh, we can have Uh, resources in our life, and we can be taken care of financially. And uh, the scripture says that because of what he did on the cross, we can have the joy of the Lord in our life. But how many of you know some pretty grouchy Christians? Amen? What's missing? Did God, like, you know, not, did he forget to send the voucher to you? You know what I mean? Did you miss that provision? Or is it us not activating what Jesus did on the cross in our life? Are we out of sync? Are we out of rhythm with what God paid for on the cross? Somebody say that's good. So it's an activation thing in our life. It's being in sync. And uh, Jesus said this. He said that I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, I've come that you may have life and have it better. Jesus' heart is that you have a better way of living, that you have a better kind of life, that uh, your family life, your personal life, your financial life, all of it be better than the way of the world. See, a lot of times we think like, oh, you know, look at those people, you know, uh, they don't serve God and they're rich and they don't. Yeah, okay, there's that. Uh, and, I, and, you know, and I could get up here and talk all day about how we, you know, we look at people in the world who have things, but if you were to really look in their heart and see if they were happy and see if they, I mean, I mean yeah. Los Angeles Clippers, right? I mean, can we just <laughs> talk for a minute about how just because you have money does not make you 
in a place that we should want to be after. Somebody say amen. So I said this. He's saying that I've come that you may have life and have it better. That even means better than the world's standard. So a lot of times we're just like, oh, boy, I just, I just want to get to what everybody else has. No, that's not the bar either. He may come that you may have life and have it even better. Somebody say amen. But it's going to take faith. That's the activator. That's the thing in our life that causes God to respond. He's, we, it's impossible for us to please God and for God to be a rewarder unless what? We use faith, unless we activate what he's been given to, what he's given to us. And then we know faith only comes when you hear the word and you're a doer of the word. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when you hear the word and you're in the word and you're around preaching and you worship and you take all these things in and you have devotionals and studies and all those things, that's building up your faith and activating strength in your rhythm. It's giving you momentum. Um, I'm a big dirt bike guy, and uh, I like to watch the Supercross, all the guys that jump all the uh, different things. And uh, rhythm is something they talk about a lot. You know, they'll say, well, he's slow today, or he's not as fast as the other guys because he's not hitting that rhythm section. Now, they all have the same bike. They're all kind of the, pretty much the same weight, have the same knowledge, the same equipment. Uh, but they have found a way to put themselves and their bike in sync with the patterns or the bumps in their life. And so uh, there's a lot of momentum that they carry. They'll, sometimes they'll slow down so that when they hit a jump, on the other side, they'll want to be landing right because as they land right, it, it compresses the suspension and it gives them better lift for the next jump. They're in rhythm with their atmosphere, they're in tune to what they're doing because that rhythm gives them strength. That's what the scripture is saying about the word of God. You hear the word of God, you apply the word of God, all of those things build your faith. They're giving you that boost for the next thing in your life. Somebody say amen. Uh, It's not like, well, we better read the Bible so we don't go to hell. No, you better read the Bible so you have the best life now. Somebody say amen. Okay, so faith is not an option. We've made that part clear. To live the, uh, the victorious life, to live the way that God called you to live, you have to live in a way that, that you're believing and trusting God and you have faith activated. Uh, and you have to stir it up. It's not a feeling. Uh, you can't say, uh, today, uh, I feel like faith. Today, I'm, I, I have a good feeling. Uh, no, faith is when you feel like it and you don't feel like it. On your best day and your worst day, faith. Somebody say amen. Uh, we base our walk on our feelings and uh, a lot of times, well, I'm stressed. Well, He said this, and she said this, and so this is how I feel about my situation now. No, what does faith feel about your situation today? It's the same. (laughs) That's why God said, I'm the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. God's way about you is the same. We can't let our feelings throw us off of those. That's why the scripture said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because he wants to keep you pursuing and driving and believing and trusting and staying in rhythm with what he's pulling you to. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So rejoice in the Lord always. And then on top of that, rejoice again. <laughs> Why is he saying it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? There's a lot of wisdom in here that not only is there going to be days where in the morning you rejoice in the Lord and you find a way to get through and push through and get over the mountain, but there's going to be maybe time in the afternoon where you have to do it again. Somebody say amen. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Why? Because it's important for you to stir up and to ignite the goodness and the joy and the the things of God that keep you in rhythm and in sync and in faith for what God has for you. The word rejoice here means to rejoy yourself, to rejoy or to reignite. 
Uh, a lot of times we wait for church to reignite us or the pastor to preach a sermon and reignite us or, you know, we need this thing or that thing. And, but guess what? You're not going to get up in the morning and the worship band, I pray they don't, uh, aren't going to be at the foot of your bed just singing you, you love never. <laughs> You're not going to have that all the time. Thankfully, we have worship music and playlists and set lists and all these things that pull us. But you're going to have to find a way to make it. And the kingdom of God is going to be the people that can say, this morning, I'm going to reignite myself. I'm going to rejoy myself. The scripture says about David, who God said about David, he's my guy. He has a heart after me. If I had to pick out, he's like that. The scripture about him says this, that David strengthened himself in the Lord daily. That was the thing about David that he was able to do, strengthen himself in the Lord. He didn't wait for somebody to come give him a good word or inspire him or give him. He knew that if I'm going to make it in this thing, I have to find a way to strengthen myself in the Lord. Amen? So rejoy, reignite yourself. Uh, it's an action word. That's a, that's a verb. We got to stir it up. Paul says, make up your mind. Uh, ignite yourself. Uh, I love this thought. Romans 5, 5 says, God's love uh, kind of paraphrasing here, has been poured out in your heart when you were saved, when you came to the Lord. Uh, all of God's love was poured into your life. Um, you have this inward dwelling. You have everything that you need to make it uh, in this walk with God. And, and there's times that you won't even know what's in you until it's required of you. Um, when I was 18 years old, our church took a, a group to um, Africa. And uh, Jinja, Africa, actually, and uh, that's one of the witchcraft capitals of the world. Uh, and at that time, I was working hard to be a children's pastor, um, worked, uh, loved kids and children's ministry and had overseen uh, first through fifth grade. Summer right here, uh, sitting on the second row, was actually a little kid, uh, one of our worst kids in the kids' ministry. Just kidding. Um, just kidding. So that's either like an example of how old I am or like, I don't know yet, but um, so anyway, we took a trip to Africa, and uh, it wasn't one of those, like, we went with another mega organization. Our church went to Africa, like, just our people. And, um, and so you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, out on your own on this one. And so uh, we went over there, and at this time, I had only done kids' ministry, so we planned on doing children's activities for kids. And uh, we were just going to do puppets and, you know, just do stuff. I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying that's all I was prepared for. But I had given some sermons and stuff in kids' ministry, and... And uh, so we get over there, and we're traveling into, you know, just the woods. And um, the pastor who picked us up there, uh, everything is sort of overseen by villages. And so there's like 15, 20 churches, all really considered one church, but they're just all over the place. And um, honest to God, I wish I would have brought some pictures, but they're all in my storage. But uh, they were mud huts, and so they're sticks with clay packed in there and then a metal roof. And... Um, so anyway, we're traveling down the road, and the pastor's telling us, um, hey, people have heard, you know, that Americans are coming, and they're going to be preaching and speaking and all this stuff, and um, we don't have enough pastors here or people to speak to the adults. Um, we're going to really let all these villages down. There's going to be no one to come speak to them. So they said, the team said, hey, is there anybody here on the team that feels comfortable enough going and preaching to the adults? Now, I had never preached to adults before yet. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I knew in church, I grew up in ministry, and I grew up around church, and I knew it would be bad if I said no. <laughs> if I, not, not, not because of, like, what they would do to me there, but, like, you know, my relationship with God. Um, I knew that I had to activate some faith here and do this. So honest to God, I have some funny stories that come from it. But um, 
honest to God there, I, I said yes, and totally unprepared. My children's messages, my sermons, the best that I had, you know, were kids stuff, like lighting things on fire and like, you know, illustrated stuff. So I studied the best that I could, and we got to the place that I was supposed to speak, and um, there was over 3,000 people there. <laughs> yeah. And so I was sort of behind this booth, and, uh, and I'm kind of looking out there, and these just droves. It was an old soccer field, like stadium. So all these people coming and coming and coming, and I'm just like, God, I don't have this. I don't have it, <laughs> you know. But this scripture right here is what he gave me. All of God's love and ability and all that you need was poured out to you when you were saved. God is living on the inside of you. Everything you need is in you. Somebody say amen. You just have to activate it. You have to be in rhythm with it, and, um, and God will do incredible things for you. Somebody say amen. Won't you, um, actually, DJ, I want you to come play. I want to give you this thought before we, uh, before we wrap up. I got a couple things in there, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump over. He's going to, he's going to play for a minute. And I want you to think about this. Faith doesn't quit. It doesn't give up. Is what we just sang about. Of course, I, I didn't know we were closing on that or anything. But faith doesn't give up. Here's what I want you to understand. We're just kind of running out of time, so I want to wrap up. But faith doesn't give up. Faith doesn't give up. And I think a lot of times, if I could be honest, even looking at other people, uh, and that's a huge problem that we have in the country right now, um, is comparison. You can spend a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter and all these things, basically comparing what you have to others. And um, the social media view is nowhere near the reality, you know. Um, we may snap a cute picture of Caroline. Um, that's totally inappropriate for me to say, but everybody made a big deal about um, a, we were on vacation in Florida and Caroline's got this picture with her hat on. She's like, ah, you know, like smiling because she put her bathing suit on. We have some like 200 people click like, oh, oh she's so beautiful. That's the thing. What you don't know, honest to God, two minutes before that, putting her bathing suit on, she pooped on the hotel floor. <laughs> so that picture of like, oh my gosh, she's so, you guys have the perfect baby. I was cleaning up poop while she was taking that picture of the, so that's reality. So yeah, yeah. So, right. So don't compare yourself to social media. That's terrible. Um, But faith doesn't quit. That's why the scripture says, when I've done all I know to do, stand. That's it. Just stay where you are. Stand in it. Have faith for it. Um, There's this guy, uh, you may know him, Matthew Barnett. He runs a Dream Center in L.A., and I actually got to spend a little time with him about, well, last month, whenever we were in Florida. And um, he was just really encouraging me. And I just think about some of the fruit in this room, people who I ministered with maybe like 10 years ago, that we thought we'd never be a part, like, we wouldn't be together again. And um, we knew we were called here, but we didn't know how to get back here. So for seven years, it was like, God, what, you know, you got this thing. How are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to? But I stood. And I stood when it was really hard. And I stood when people said the wrong things about me. And I still stood. And I stood in faith and stood in faith and stood in our call and stood in our call and honored God and honored people. Sometimes just standing in faith is enough. The enemy is going to try to tell you, oh, you got to go take the mountain and slay the giant and do this. That's faith. Sometimes just standing 
They got to the Red Sea and they looked at it and they, they had a moment of standing. What do we do? And then in that moment of standing, God gave the order and split the sea. Some of you might be in a moment where you're thinking, run, retreat. It's time to back down, sell the farm. God is saying, stay and stand, stay, don't quit because I'm about to send what you need. Someone say amen. Faith doesn't give up. A lot of times people quit when God doesn't do it your way. We think, oh, God wants it to be this and this and this and this. And then when it's not actually your way, what you've called God's way, when it's actually not your way, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. But I think the reason Jesus did all kinds of crazy miracles, like put mud in people's eyes and do all those kind of things, is because it kept people on their toes. It kept them having faith for whatever God way is, whatever the way God is choosing to do it, I'm going to activate my faith and stay in rhythm and stay in sync with him because he knows better than I do. Somebody say amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this. They said, hey, we trust that God is going to deliver us. We totally believe and trust that God is going to, if you don't know the story, these three guys refused to bow to an idol and they stayed pure to God and they got thrown in this fiery furnace and the people that threw them in weren't even in the furnace, but the people that threw them in burned up. They died, like the servants who threw them in burned up. And so these guys got thrown in the fire, but before they went in, they said this. They said, our God is able to save us, but if not, I'm okay with that because he's still my God. He still delivered me. I'm still set free. My sins are still cleansed. Somebody say amen. A lot of times we say, well, it's gotta be this or it's gotta be this. And it's the thing that actually causes us to quit. Well, I deserved it to be like this. And I worked hard. I dare you to talk to God about what you deserve. Somebody say amen. So why don't you all stand to your feet? Last week, Nate talked about a holy moment where like it's different than just a good moment or kind of a good thing or a, a holy moment where, where God has today marked for you that this is your turning point. This is your no backing down. This is your, when you've done all you know to do, you're still gonna stand. This is your day for that. And today I'm asking you to activate your faith. Mark down May 4, 2014 is the day that God marked me solidified what he wants to do in my life. I'm going forward. I'm not going back. God is doing a work in me. And uh, whatever your circumstances are, the scripture says that the world was framed not by things that we saw, not the visible, the invisible. And I believe that today by his spirit, he can frame some things in your life that you need, not by what you can see, but by his spirit. Somebody say amen. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. Lord, I lift up every circumstance in this room. And God, I pray that you give us the boldness to activate our faith, not to back down, not to run, not to cower, not to take the cheap way out, but to trust a God who knows all, sees all, holds all, and is cheering us on and on our behalf. You came to give us life and give it to us better. God, I pray for an infusion in all of our lives this morning that we don't retreat, but that when we need to stand, we stand. When we need to go forward, we go forward. But God, faith arise in all of us this morning. We speak that faith arise in all of us. Even the situations that put us out of our comfort zone. I pray that we are okay with that. God, give us the comfort, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, that when we're called out of the boat, when we're called out of the comfort zone, God, you're with us. You're walking alongside us, cheering us on. 
We just come against anything that may be trying to hinder or pull down. We rebuke in Jesus' name. Any situation that may be trying to hinder and hold down, any lies, any doubts, we call broken this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Josh, I know that I need to follow God. I've been away from God. I, I've been missing. I'm out of sync. I'm not in rhythm. But I know that today my heart is calling me to connect with God. My heart is calling me to uh, forget the ways that I've been living and, and choose to follow him. What I'm going to ask you to do when I count to three is raise your hand. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you do anything embarrassing. I'm just going to have you raise your hand. I'll acknowledge your hand, and then I'll pray with you right where you are. We'll all pray together. So nothing embarrassing, nothing crazy. But the scripture says that if you confess Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so no one looking around, no one embarrassing you, but you know today. Today is your moment, your holy moment, that things are never going to be the same. You're going forward with God. If that's you on the count of three, put up your hand. One, two, three. All over the room. I see that. I see that. Anybody else see that? See that? Who else? This is your moment, your holy moment. God is pulling you forward. I see that. You can put your hand down. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together. And after we pray this prayer, the scripture says, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. This is your best life going forward, the better kind of life we were just talking about. So we're all going to pray together out loud, and uh, this is your best day. So let's all pray this. Say, God, today I choose you. I'm leaving behind all the distractions, all the temptations, all the frustrations of the world. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I choose you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.